Good evening, and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is December 21st, 2015. The year's almost done. Have you ever wondered what it's like, how you can be your authentic self, whether you're a man or a woman, how to really be you? I mean, we play so many roles. We play so many acts. We do so many things to impress other people as to who we are, and it gets to the point where we don't even know who we are. Well, we have a guest tonight, special guest, Shanna James. She's a relationship expert, and she's going to talk to us about how men and women can be their authentic selves and how we can make relationships better. And we're going to talk about dating over the holidays. We're going to talk about first impressions. We're going to talk about sexual power for guys, and we're going to talk about starting over. And other things. So we're going to bring her on in a few minutes. I'm very excited that she's going to be with us this evening. First of all, here we are in New York City, and it is getting warmer. (laughs) It's the end of the year. I was looking at some photos, and two years ago, we had a sheet of ice on the ground that lasted about four months uh, at this time of year. And last year was bitter cold in December, and it stayed cold right through. We had a really cold winter last year. And this year, We've got a free month today, actually, is the winter solstice, so it's the shortest day of the year. I think sundown was, maybe it was before 4.30, and uh, now every day we'll get one more minute of sunlight until June 21st, so it's a good thing. Tomorrow is my birthday, another good thing, so looking forward to that. And we've got Christmas on Friday, so people will have next week off. And uh, there's Kwanzaa, and we just had uh, we just had Hanukkah. So a lot of holidays at this time of year. So I hope everybody has a good one and uh, celebrates in whatever way you celebrate. So what's been happening in the guys guys world? Okay, well a couple of things. One. December 18th was Keith Richards' birthday, 72 years old, and the Stones are ready to go to South America on a tour. And they're supposed to play in Cuba, of all places. And they're supposedly recording another album. And they're all in their 70s now, I think, except for maybe Ron Wood's still in the 60s, late 60s. He actually uh, is his wife, who's like in her 30s, is expecting twins, and he's I don't know, 68, 69. So pretty amazing. So let's hope they keep going. If you saw Saturday Night Live the other night, you saw Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band, and uh, the band was sensational, so tight. And then uh, they played little Santa Claus coming to town at the end, and Paul McCartney came out. So that was great. And Springsteen's a real guy's guy. He's a Jersey guy, and he's a good guy. He's done a lot. I have a place down the Jersey Shore the beach house down in Ocean Grove and Springsteen's done so much to the neighboring town, Asbury Park in the area that, uh, man, they should erect a statue of him. He's just, he's really given a lot and, uh, he has his roots there music wise. And, um, he's just re-released his album, the river, which is a great fun album. And, um, I gotta tell you, I've listened to a lot of these re-releases and I think it's the best one I've ever heard. There's a lot of new music on there. And if he just released all of that as an album, it would have been as good as any of his albums. It's really fantastic. And his band was so tight on Saturday Night Live. I will say this. I'm not crazy about Springsteen's new music. And I think he struggles with his singing a little bit, the power of his voice. I I mean, I saw the Stones in Pittsburgh this year. And Mick Jagger can fill up an outdoor stadium with his voice still. And the Stones was just four guys wailing away, very guitar-driven. I was like, my God, they have a lot of power. And uh, Springsteen's band, I I didn't like, they had too many people on stage. They had two acoustic guitar players, which was, for what the music they were playing, didn't seem to make sense. Two lead guitar players, which I don't know if they needed that. And and then you've got Bruce. He plays electric guitar also. So you've got a lot of people. You've got a sax player. You've got a keyboard player. You've got a drummer. There's a lot of people on the stage. But uh, musicianship... They were really tight, and the music from that river era is fabulous. And uh, I would suggest checking out, go to iTunes and check out some of those songs that are only being released now. Really terrific stuff, and they're kind of built to be played live. So uh, 
good stuff there. What else is going on? Well, <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw it, but I was sitting at home last night with my wife and we're like, okay, let's watch Miss Universe. So we watched basically, you know, channel surfing during the commercials, but because we don't TiVo for whatever reason, we're just too lazy to TiVo. And uh, this way we watched multiple things at the same time. So anyhow, we watched Miss Universe and it got down to the end and I'm like, Okay, of course, Miss USA is going to work her way in there, which always happens. And then you've got probably the two front runners, a very, very beautiful Miss Columbia and a very, very beautiful and elegant Miss Philippines. And then Steve Harvey, as you might have noticed on social media and the news today, he read the wrong name and they crowned. They actually not only did he read the wrong name of the winner, <laughs> they crowned her. And then, then out of the blue... He says, oh, I made a mistake. The winner is actually Miss Philippines, who was aghast and like beyond herself. And then everybody was looking at each other and he said, I made a mistake. He held up the card, said, I'm sorry. And then they crowned Miss Philippines and they cut the show. That was it. So what do you make of all this? Some people are saying it was done on purpose to get ratings. That would be pretty. I, I can't believe they're smart enough to pull that off. But um, he messed up, which is bad. And he was kind of poking fun at the whole show. And I think he's a little full of himself, Steve Harvey. I don't think he's that much of a guru, frankly. But then he messed up. And I will give him credit for this. He manned up because I guess well, it doesn't matter. You know, he manned up and he said, I made a mistake and I was wrong and I'm sorry. And how often do you hear that? Even in our day-to-day -day relationships, how often do you hear somebody say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake? Or at work, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It's very, very rare. People don't like to admit they made a mistake. It's pretty easy to do. Hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. And we all do. But we very, very rarely hear that. Even think about your closest relationships. Some people just don't like to say, I'm sorry. And that's the way it goes. So with that in mind... Let's let's talk about our guest. And our guest is Shanna James. She's a dating and relationship coach. And she spent the last 12 years coaching nearly a thousand men and almost as many women around the world. And she's an ally for men. And she makes it safe for men to work through their biggest fears and deepest shame. So I want to ask her about that because there's a lot more to men than fear and shame. So they're free to have passion, fulfilling connections and relationships with the women they really want. So she's basically helping men connect with women. She doesn't teach, though, games and pickup lines. She works very specifically with each man and finds the places that he holds back and where he feels stuck. She is a senior facilitator for the Authentic Man Program and the co-creator of the Authentic Women Experience, Woman Experience and draws on her experience as a coach, workshop leader, yoga, and spiritual practitioner and a master's degree in psychology. And she calls out every man's greatness and believes the world benefits by doing so. So she's very in line with the whole guys' guys movement, which is when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins, and better men, better world. And as you know, it all you can find out all about it at my website, robertmanny.com. But for now, let's bring on Shanna James, our guest for this evening. Good evening, Shanna. How are you? Hi, good. It's actually Shana. <laughs> Shana. Okay. Sorry. Got off on the That's wrong okay. foot there. So I guess I failed in, in our first co topic, which is making the first <laughs> good first impression. <laughs> no, well, you know, you were just talking about apologizing, right? Or, you know, or even just that willingness that we would even say, oh, okay, you know, sorry, I, I didn't get that right. But we're all human and we all get to be human. And I think that's a really big part of authenticity. So there we go. Okay, great. So let's uh, start out with kind of a... Uh, what inspired you to set you on the path you're on in terms of being a relationship coach and specifically to help men and guys? Mm. It's a great question. I mean, I think, I think ultimately it goes way back to being in a home with my parents who fought a lot and, you know, I couldn't quite understand why being married or being in a relationship was a good thing. And so it was something that I, I kind of, you know, struggled with my whole life and wondered how can people actually 
be together and stay vital and alive and, and keep growing. You know, I think those were the roots of it. And then when I moved to San Francisco after college, I um, some friends and I started this kind of an intentional community. We called it Soul to Soul. And we started having these really honest conversations with each other where we would, you know, into, in, in short, we would be authentic, right? If something was bothering us or if we were attracted or any of those things, we would actually really talk about. And um, with the commitment that we were not going to just leave and push each other out of our lives. And then one of the men actually created a workshop where he brought us in as women to give men this kind of real-time, honest, and loving feedback that men often don't get out in the world and on dates and things like that. What do you mean by authentic? Uh, What's your definition of that? was a great question because I don't think, I was just having this conversation yesterday, authentic to me does not mean you say everything, you know, at all times, right? Anything that comes into your mind, you say that's that's not my definition of authentic. But my definition of authentic is that what's happening on the inside matches what's happening on the outside, right? And so you're not, like you said in the beginning, you're not trying to put on a mask or a facade or trying to prove something that you can actually be who you are and share what's really, really going on with you. Um, one of the, the pitfalls I see or one of the places that's tricky is that you know, someone can be really authentically pissed off or ma- a man could be frustrated with women, women could be frustrated with men, and then they could kind of spew that anger and then just say, yeah, but I was being authentic you know, or I was being real. Um, and so I think two things. One, I think it's not just authenticity, right? There's There are other practices of assuming the best about other people or getting curious about people and not thinking, you know, that you're right all the time necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then there's this question of, you know, where are you coming from within yourself, right? Are you Are you speaking from your wounds and your past and all of the things that um, have constricted you? Or are you actually speaking from a more conscious place, Um you know, inside yourself, a, a deeper place, I would say. Okay. Um, let's talk about the state of the dating and relationships now. Give us your mm-hmm. overview, Shana, on uh, where do you think things are are at? My overview, I think we're in a, a serious transition at this point. I think with, you know, at least 50% of marriages are ending in divorce and so many people are single and unsatisfied and just really, I think, looking at relationship um, as, you know, from this framework of, okay, do I really want to do this and why would I want to do this? And I actually think it's a great thing because I think time is changing and we're all changing and we're choosing relationships for different reasons. So what I'm seeing is that it's a very uncomfortable time and an uncomfortable transition, but that people are actually starting to look deeper at what they want instead of what the cultural expectations are. Okay. Um, Let's take that down another notch then. Let's talk about men and women. What do you see happening uh, with men today and with women today as uh, it relates to relationships and dating? Mm. What do I see happening? I see women being um, frustrated and having a lot of ideas about men, that all men are this or all men are that. You know, men aren't emotionally available and men just want sex and and kind of closing the door before they actually get to know a man in his own uniqueness. Um, and I see men... I mean, I see a couple of things with men. I see men either scared on the one hand to risk rejection or reach out or just relax and be a little more, um, take things less seriously. And then on the other hand, I see men thinking that they need to prove something and thinking that the more women they have sex with, the better, or the more beautiful a woman is, the better. And so on both ends of that spectrum, um, I see men 
unsatisfied and frustrated and not really getting what they want either. Now, let's take that another level down. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the, the attitudes of millennials versus Gen Xers and boomers. Now, I don't know how, I mean, I think millennials and boomers are a little bit different. I'm not sure. I would say Gen Xers are, they're in the middle and they kind of are a bridge between the two. But to me, um, you know, I always like to say that young guys are caught between uh, MMA and manscaping and older guys are not sure what their role is anymore. So Mm. in both cases, there's some issues going on uh, identity wise and from an Mm -hmm. expectations area. What's what's your take? My take, I mean, I think across the board, even with all of these different distinctions of generations, um, I'm seeing that there's this, uh, there tends to be a disconnect or um, especially with men being raised to be nice and be respectful, you know, in the earlier generations and and not feeling like they can actually say what's true for them or say, hey, you know, I really want to have sex or I want to have more sex and so feeling held back in that way. And then I'm seeing some of the younger men um, really confused and, and not having role models and recognizing that a lot of their parents' relationships didn't work out or their fathers weren't happy but, again, not yet having these new role models for how to make this work. And how about uh, for women? I think for women, I've seen more and more women um, taking on the taking on their careers, right, and, and creating more success in their lives, which I think is is beautiful. Um, and then sometimes taking that the way that they act at work and the way that they're having to exist in a very masculine world often and then trying to bring that into relationship and I think that tends to be where a lot of their frustration happens Um, but it's really hard to it can be really hard I'll say for myself and for a lot of the women I've worked with to let go of control and to be vulnerable I've actually I was actually fascinated when I started leading workshops for men and women that I thought the women were going to have come in with something different. And I thought, oh, well, women are more used to being vulnerable and more used to being in these conversations, so we're going to see some different issues or different problems. And what I realized is that, yes, women tend to talk about our lives and our relationships more with women, but it's still really, really often hard for women to get vulnerable and go to those deeper, deeper layers of truth of where we're not feeling met or not feeling satisfied, but also not complaining about it and venting and, and bitching to our girlfriends, right? There's a there's a deeper place than that that is actually a lot more vulnerable that a lot of women don't go to. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, it seems like there's a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a bonding thing that takes place where a couple of women get together and they talk about kind of things that are wrong. And uh, yeah. Guys don't do that, frankly. Um, but that that gets them some some particle between the two, and then a lot of times, as you know, the guy doesn't. The guy assumes that, okay, this is how men are. If there's a problem, they're going to let you know. If there isn't, mm-hmm. you can assume they're happy. I mean, it's pretty much that. Whereas women, a lot of times, will hold back, and that's why so many in so many instances, men get blindsided when women dump them about so many things that are wrong with the relationship and the guy really didn't have a clue until he gets hit by that two by four and she's walking out the Mm. door and then he has a chance to think all that stuff through and then he realizes like shit i wish i would have known how do you handle that because i'm sure that stuff comes up unless unless you disagree well i don't know exactly if i agree or not but (laughs) but i think you have a great point you know i think that um the thing that I see that's really common is that people don't talk about the relationship or even in dating. You know, I see a lot of people date and not really start from the beginning with this question of who are you really and what do you really want and, you know, are we a fit for each other? 
on all of these different levels, you know, intellectually mm-hmm. and sexually and emotionally and, you know, could we could we be a fit? I see those conversations getting skipped over. And then I see the conversations in relationship getting skipped over where, um, you know, someone gets their feelings hurt or someone doesn't agree with something or whatever it is, and then it's just shoved under the rug on either side. I see men and women both do it. I see both people really being scared to rock the boat or being scared that if they bring up something that creates a conflict that they'll be left or unwanted or unloved. You know, so it really goes back to this this deeper place of shame that most of us carry in slightly different ways because we're all unique, but then not talking creates the distance that then has people really, you know, not, not know each other and then wake up mm-hmm. a couple of years later, like you said, all of a sudden feeling like we got hit by a two by four. Like, Wait, how did this happen? Right. Well, let me throw another hypothesis at you. A lot of times, yeah. uh, with uh, when men and women, when I have a conversation, I even have it still with my wife and uh, she'll, you know, I figure, okay, she expressed her point of view. I expressed my point of view. You don't have to agree on everything you can have. Mm-hmm. It could be like we have a two-year-old, like, okay. I, I tell her like, <laughs> you, we don't have to do the exact same thing with him. I mean, we have yeah. a little bit of a different point of view. And so he gets from two different angles. So that's okay. Yeah. But for other, and she, totally vibes with that but on other issues it seems like it's not just i'm not going to talk about me and my wife but in general and i am making a generalization a lot of times uh, a guy will express his viewpoint and the woman expresses her viewpoint and then the guy's done and then the woman wants to keep talking about it and uh and the guy doesn't like what do i have to do say the same thing again and i've seen that and i've experienced it over and over again where you know okay you can talk about it but if you and you can look at it okay understand the other point of view but when do you stop talking about it? And I think that's one of the reasons why guys just shut down and mm. they don't want to talk about stuff anymore because they figure, well, I talked anything. about this. And like, like enough. Yeah. Like, okay, we don't have to agree across the board on everything. What, what is your sense of that? And it's like, is that a difference between how men and women communicate or is, what is that? Yeah, it may be, and I also see that oftentimes communication is happening on the more surface level or on the level of, um, you could call it like an intellectual conversation or more of an object conversation of, you know, this is black and this is white and this is what I think and this is what you think. And, And I think often a conversation where it starts to feel like there's connection there, tends to go to a deeper emotional level. And now I'm imagining, you know, you might say, oh, God, okay, men. <laughs> like, now we have to talk and be emotional, you know. But really what I've seen over the years as I've been doing a lot of this work and leading workshops with men and women is that there's actually a relief that tends to happen when men feel understood and women feel understood. And it is a... a a deeper emotional place of of someone feeling like their world is gotten or their world is understood as opposed to just the facts are understood. You know, I mean, there's a difference if someone says, um, you know, someone just responds back to you. There's, there's something that can be really helpful in couples where you repeat back what you heard. And then, because we don't always hear what the other person says, right? And so Mm -hmm. that can be a a helpful experiment or practice to have. But then there's something that can even take it a level deeper sometimes, which is really trying to understand what would have the person say that in the first place. You know, if I'm Mm -hmm. talking about, yeah, if I'm talking about um, a desire to have more fun together or to, you know, to go out and play and have more dates together, I could be understood if someone said, oh, so you want to go have more dates together. But there's this deeper level that if someone can really take the time and also look at the, oh, it seems like, wow, you know, maybe you're feeling exhausted or you're feeling tapped out or, God, you know, we have a kid and all you're doing is caretaking and it sounds like having some more play or more fun would really enliven you and it would be a relief for you, you mm-hmm. know? So I think some of those conversations can actually be shorter when there's a deeper understanding happening between two people. Yeah, I agree. That's a very good answer. Um, 
Okay. Our guest is Shana James. Uh, it's Guys Guys Radio. And if you want to call us, you can. Um, 347-945-5834. 347-945-5834. Shana, you mentioned two words that popped out to me, and I underlined them, mm-hmm. and that's fear and shame. And to me, fear is the mm-hmm. negation of it's the negation of truth. Uh, and that's what fear is all about. And then shame mm. is shame is at the lowest level of a vibration or frequency. So why do you, and you mentioned that uh, in general and also as it pertains to men, why did you, and I found uh, at talking to a lot of relationship experts, it's the first time I've heard those two words in context with huh. uh, relationship uh coaching or experts. I'm not I'm criticizing, but no way am I criticizing. I'm saying it's interesting. Yeah. So tell us about that. Well, I'm actually I'm totally surprised, but what did you say that your definition of fear is it's the negation of truth? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can say for myself, the reason why I include fear and shame is because what I often see is that what drives a lot of behaviors of, trying to prove something, thinking we need to be a certain way to be loved, Um, you know, saying one thing but then doing another because you don't want to rock Mm -hmm. the boat, all of those things, the root of them that I see is either a fear or some kind of shame, some kind of feeling not good enough or not lovable just the way we are. So we have to try to manipulate reality or manipulate another person and it's not it's not always negative or this horrible thing but trying to manipulate another person such that we become lovable and then i often see people feeling um that that it continues that cycle right and it's like oh i, I don't know if this person really loves me or if if i showed that part of myself then that person would leave person I'm dating or the person I'm in a relationship with would leave. And so I really like to support people to start getting more vulnerable and showing those parts because when you actually share them, first of all, shame lives in darkness and in silence. Um, We can often just feel really, really ashamed and then it's out in the light and we're actually received. Um, it doesn't always seem so bad anymore, you know, and it's like, oh, I just shared that thing I thought you would really judge me for, and you're still here and loving me. So I really think it's one of the the best practices. And I don't want to just say, um, you know, every time you're feeling ashamed or every time you're feeling fear, you should just go say it again. It's not necessarily like authenticity. You don't just necessarily say everything. Um, but there is a really, really beautiful thing that happens, I think, when you start actually even saying, wow, there's something I just noticed I feel scared to tell you, or there's something I'm I'm afraid of in our relationship, or, you know, this thing isn't exactly going the way I envisioned, and I feel scared to say that to you. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, uh, and this came from a, actually, I got this from a woman I know. Um, you know, she's like, you know what? She was saying this whole guys, guys thing. I don't know about that because, you know, we want like Wolf of Wall Street. And, you know, there are a lot of women who they don't. This is a conundrum for guys in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're saying that, you know, it sounds like you want the guy to be vulnerable and to be able to express himself from a feeling standpoint. And then we hear from a lot of women and men are concerned about this. Like, geez, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that when I'm supposed to be this alpha. I'll rip their throats out. And it's just about money and, you know, providing and stomping and uh, that's, that's it. And getting uh, stuff and just get the money and shut up and get ahead and make more money than me. And you better do that. And I'm in New York and believe me, this town operates like it's, if you have to have a little bit of that mindset to succeed here because it's, it's what's happening. So Mm-hmm. And it's tough for guys because you want to be the nice guy and all that. And then it's taken as a, as weakness. Like we don't want yeah. nice. We want killer, you know, and I don't yeah. mean literally killing. I mean, just like killing it. And, and so what's a guy that's, that's confusing for men. Yeah, this is a great question. And first of all, like I want, I want men to value themselves enough 
that if a woman is only wanting you for money or your status, you know, that you actually go find someone else who really cares about you and loves you and supports you and, you know, and vice versa. But I think one of the things I see is that when men hear about being vulnerable, the idea or the the vision is, okay, now I have to cry about everything or I'm supposed to just, you know, dump all of my feelings. And it's there's a really different place to come from. And actually, I just want to back up for a moment and say, Sure. One of the ways I, I look at men is that there are these three parts, the head, the heart, and you could say the balls or the sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. And the heart is that place of emotions and vulnerability, and the sexual center is more of that, you know, like you said, the killer part. And my goal when I'm working with men is to support them to turn those dials up, both of them, right, to 100%, whatever that looks like uniquely for each man. But what it doesn't mean is that, oh, to be more vulnerable, I have to turn down my strength or my sexuality, you know, or to be more sexual, I have to turn down my heart or my vulnerability. So you can actually have both of those really awake and alive. And and there's a difference between um, being vulnerable for both men and women. There's a difference between being vulnerable and sharing that you feel upset about something or scared about something or hurt about something, it's different when you share that from a place of recognizing, oh, you know, that hurt is a part of me, that fear is a part of me, um, versus thinking, oh, my God, this is everything and kind of dumping it in the other person's lap and, and basically saying, I need you to fix this. I need you to fix me. I'm not okay as I am, right? And so when a man can bring his vulnerability and and admit that he's scared about something, but he's not necessarily going to be cowering in the corner or, you know, putting his head in the woman's lap and just saying like, I can't take it anymore. Um, you know, that's okay. I, I actually think that's okay sometimes too, but for the most part, it's probably going to look a little less dramatic than that. You know, that he might be sitting there with tears streaming down his face, or he might even be sobbing um, but there isn't necessarily a sense of it, it's not actually weak. I think vulnerability is one of the strongest things. And, and the other thing I think, the last piece on this, is that when we judge ourselves that vulnerability is weak, then we bring it through that place of fear. And so we're already judging ourselves. We already think it's weird or there's something wrong with us. Then it just creates this very strange dynamic with another person or in relationship. And so the more we can actually recognize I'm okay, even if I'm scared and I'm okay, even if I'm sad and I'm okay, if I'm hurt, then there's actually more connection available. Now you're, you're, you're working with a lot of guys and I know you work with women also. Is this something mm-hmm. that women are looking for from men? I mean, when you get, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I can see a guy cries once. That's it. Like I don't one, know any once women. in a lifetime, that's it? Well, whatever. You know, once in a blue moon, let's call it. And yeah. I don't think women want to see their guy tearing up on a regular basis, no matter if it's a show of vulnerability or not. They don't want it. That's from my own personal experience and from the women I know and from the guys I know. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think that can be common. And I don't know if you know Brene Brown's work, but... You know, she really talks about this, and especially in one of her her TED Talks, I think it was, or one of her books, I can't remember, she talks about a man who basically said that same thing. Like, you know, you say, women say they want us to be vulnerable, but they would rather us, um, you know, they, they actually don't ever want to see us, us fall off our, our horse, and they, they'd rather die, you know, than see that or whatever. And... um you know, I have to say, in working with so many people and, and, again, leading workshops where there are men and women and couples, and it's I think it's shifting. And a lot of women want that strength and that vulnerability. You know, and a lot of women really want to take care of and um, not caretaking, right, not in the way of babying or becoming somebody's mother, a man's mother, but we really do want to have that intimate connection. And and I bring it back to sex. You know, you can have sex that is strong and powerful and hard and passionate, but unless there's some of that heart and emotional connection, women tend not to open. And so a Mm -hmm. lot of relationships where 
it becomes a sexless marriage, um, it often is because, and it's a lot. It's really confusing for a lot of men. But there's often this way that women don't feel their hearts opening, and it often takes their hearts opening for their body to start opening. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about sexless marriages because you tapped on that, and I'm hearing from different people that that is actually an issue that's out there. And it's to me, it's weird mm-hmm. because most most in most relationships, there's a lot of getting it on going on before people get married and then maybe they have a kid or kids or they don't or whatever. But what happens where people get married and they don't have as much sex in your opinion? Well, kids definitely, I have a kid too. Kids definitely cramp the lifestyle of being able to have Mm -hmm. sex when you want and where you want, you know, so that's Mm -hmm. definitely just a a reality. Sure. Um, But often what I see is that this, place and to keep going back to this you know this deeper emotional connection I often see that when that doesn't happen the intimacy dries up it's kind of like you know often when couples have a big fight and then there's makeup sex the Mm -hmm. reason for that is because the it's like the decks have been cleared right and so all of this Mm -hmm. whatever's between the two people even though it probably was awkward or uncomfortable or didn't feel good to explode it all in the air but then there's that moment, you know, that moment after a fight where you're actually, things start to settle and you're looking at each other and it's almost like you can see that person again for the first time mm-hmm. in, a, sure. in a while, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what happens in a smaller way over time in relationship. We start to think we know who the other person is and we start to relate to that person as, okay, this is who she is or he is and this is how he or she will always be and the curiosity fades, you know, and that exploration and experimentation fades. It's like, oh, I know you like to have sex this way or and I, I know you like your blowjobs this way or whatever, but there isn't this kind of new, fresh, in-the-moment discovery. And mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest killers, I would say, of, of passion and spark. Now, most of this killer of passion spark, though, from my understanding, comes from the woman's not into it anymore. And the guys are just the same old horn dogs they've always been. And to me, that's one of the reasons why guys do whatever just to get laid. And that's not about intimacy or anything. What's your take on that? Well, my take on that is that uh, if men who are in sexless marriages start to experiment with actually um, bringing their hearts to their women and and it could look like their own vulnerability but it could also look like listening or getting curious or really just checking in and this is I think one some of the scariest conversations for people to have is hey I notice we're actually not having sex anymore how come like how what what is it for you that has you not want to have sex with me you know and then being willing to really hear that I don't. I, I rarely hear of anybody having that conversation, right? Or, huh? It seems like we're we're kind of like strangers to each other, and we're just, you know, we say hi, we say bye in the morning, we go to sleep at different times. We're not even really connecting that much. Like, well, what's what's going on for you? It's so simple, and yet we really seem to just stuff it and stuff it and stuff it and for some reason and I think it's a little bit different for everyone like I said but not talk about it mm-hmm. yep I agree um, let's go back to like not being married and uh, some of the people you're working with and uh, mm-hmm. to me one of the biggest issues about dating right now is technology you know it can be your friend it can be your foe I was talking to uh my niece the other day and she's like late thirties and she's divorced and has a son. And, um, I'm like, how's it going out there? And she's like, horrible. And I'm like, why? And she picked up the phone. She said, every man is cheating with this. He's got 10 other (laughs) girlfriends on this. I said, what do you mean? And she started taking me through the different apps and everything and saying how, you know, the women, they kind of troll the men to see like what they're doing online and all of that. And every guy has got a different story for, all these different women and stuff. And it just sounds, you know, like 10 years ago I was on match.com and my wife winked at me and we got together and that was the end of it. (laughs) And I thought that was complicated. (laughs) Now, now it's like, 
there's so many different ways. It's like everybody's disposable yeah. and it's like it's so fast moving. How what's your what's your point of view on technology and how do you advise your clients to Plans. manage it without being swallowed well, by it? Yeah, I mean the interesting thing for me is so I'm dating actually and um my son's dad and I separated about three years ago and I've been having a really for the most part beautiful experience and I don't the men who I'm actually meeting and choosing to spend time with, um, it that thing that a lot of people talk about is not happening. You know, there hasn't been cheating, there hasn't been seeing ten other people, um, or or doing it dishonestly. Right? There are times where I've been dating and actually, you know, mm-hmm. dating multiple people, and so have they. But we're honest about it. So I think, again, I think it goes back to this unwillingness to have some of those conversations and I think a lot of times in dating there are these um, implicit expectations you know oh we went on two dates so now you shouldn't be seeing anyone else or um, we had sex you shouldn't be having sex with, with someone else or all of these ideas that people come to the table with different ideas and then they're not talking about them and the thing that I tend to see women do is get really pissed off and and blame and and shame men before getting really curious like you know what is it that you want right now do you actually want to be in a long-term relationship or are you wanting to date again and you know if if someone's coming out of a relationship um what do you really want and then getting to see is this a win-win are we both in the same phase where we actually want the same level of relationship or or is there something really different happening between us and it's kind of a waste of our time for us to keep going with this because one of us is going to likely get hurt. Okay. Let's 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 play a little bit of a game here. Let's say that people who are willing to go to a dating coach or an expert to help them with their relationships and their let's say that those people whether they're men or women are circumspect that they're willing to take that step saying, you know what, I probably, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I could use an objective opinion on it, whatever. Would mm-hmm. you agree? Would I agree? Would, would you, yeah, with that, that people who, who would work with a dating relationship coach, whether it be a man or a woman, are probably somewhat circumspect and they're saying like, hey, this is something that probably could help me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, okay. I've, so yeah. let's, so part two of that is then so many of the people that they're going to be in contact with are narcissistic and are not <laughs> thinking in a circumspect way. And it's like the guys want one thing and they don't really care about feelings or anything. They just want to keep having sex and like seeing, can I get the hottest women? And a lot of women want, they want the hot, rich you know, guy with the money. And so a lot of the folks who are coming to, people who are going to help them with the circumspection and the circumspect people who are coming to dating coaches, they're going out and they're dealing with these, you know, wolves and wolfettes, if you will, out there. Well, how, or how they're you... finding the other people who are doing the work. That exactly. But they're still going to be out there. And let's face it, a good, a lot of the people they're going to be coming into contact with while they're dating are going to be, probably not right for them and probably yeah. this wild group, this group out there that's just narcissistic. How, well, how do you, true. and again, it, it, I it's mean, the reality, I mean, how do you, how do you manage them knowing that they're going out there and, you know, you're teaching them the right way and they're going to be dealing with a lot of people who are doing things the wrong way. Well, and I don't really see it as the right way or the wrong way. I just see it as people doing it different ways, but you know, like I said, I've been dating and I'm a very, someone who wants a very conscious relationship and the pool is smaller, but, um, but I, it, ha- it hasn't actually been that much of a problem for me to find men who actually want a deeper level of relationship. And so, you know, when, when a man on OkCupid writes to me and says, you look normal or, Hey, do you want to be with someone who has a foot fetish as their first message or, you know, all the mm-hmm. weird things that men can write, which I think a foot fetish is fine. It's just a very strange first message to receive from someone. Um, you know, I just it's not where I put my energy or attention. And so I had this experience recently where um, there was a man who wrote me, and I was like, wow, he is, 
she seems like an amazing man. And we had a phone conversation, and it was a beautiful conversation. And the rest of the, I don't know how many, 30 or so messages I've received in the past couple of months. Again, I think the pool is um, However, we, if we're not settling, we tend to then attract someone who is actually wanting the same level of relationship that we're wanting. And how do you, and I'm not asking you stuff, believe me, to put you on a defensive, I'm just curious, but then you have a lot of guys, and I'm a guy who just, and some of these guys know how to just throw the bullshit out there and patronize women and tell them what they think. They're in sales. They know what women, you know, they know what the need is and they know what they want to hear. And they just tell them that. And then they could turn out to be the biggest jerk offs ever. How do you kind of uh, counsel women who are getting into that type of situation, who may come into that type of situation? And how, how do they, you know, how do you give them a good bullshit detector? And the same thing with men who I don't think women do it exactly the same way. So, uh, I don't yeah. think they. I don't think they're going to bullshit guys that way. I think the women's going to be well, pretty out in the open about what they want versus the. You know, they're either going to get somewhere with them or you're not. But with men, men will say anything to get laid. So. Well, I think I, I really support women to actually use their bodies and their gut instinct because mm-hmm. really, when you start to tune in, you can tell if someone's full of shit or if someone's actually being genuine or authentic. And what? How? How do you do? Why? That? Well, if there's a feeling, first of all, there's checking, like, are somebody's actions aligned with his words? Um, Do I feel this kind of strange, like, tension when he's saying something? You know, because I have, we we have this whole body that has sensations instead of just using our, our minds and our brains, right? Our heart and our bodies are really alive. And, you know, there's statistics of, like, how many nerve endings are in our gut or I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. even more or just as many as in our, our brain. And so there's a whole embodied experience of being with people and checking people out and, and feeling into a person to see, like, does this feel right? And does it feel like, um, do I feel good around this person or do I have that kind of wiggly feeling like something's off, even if I don't know what it is? And so I really support women to pay attention to that and really check in and say, okay, well, what do you think that is? Oh, well, mm-hmm. he said this, but then, I don't know, he showed up in a totally different way or he said, yeah, I want to be in a relationship, but then he had this weird look in his eyes or he looked down, he looked at the floor. or So there there are different ways to tell, um, you know, whether someone's being genuine or whether they're, they're bullshitting. Okay. Uh Let's get quickly to because I got a still bunch of things on my list and we don't have very much time. So let's uh, yeah. let's get into one of the things we said we we're going to talk about, which is first impressions. And I think that's super critical. I agree with you on that. How how do you, without giving away all your trade secrets, give our listeners a uh, an idea as to what they can do to make a good first impression, whether it be a man or a woman? How they can make a good first impression, I would say, um, oh, that's a good question. I think really being honest and upfront, you know, about what they're actually looking for. And then I think the other part is really assuming the best. Like when you when you go into a connection and you're actually assuming the best of someone versus looking for how they're going to prove you know, that he's an asshole or she's a bitch. I think actually we call out different sides of each other when um, when we're looking for the goodness in each other. Okay. How about uh, turning up the sexual power, one of the things you mentioned, for a man so you can kind of do that in a way that's not creepy to women? <laughs> in a way that's not creepy. Yeah, well, I think it gets creepy either when men are trying to hide it that it's happening or when men think that feeling their own sexuality gives them license to just act on it, you know. And so men can actually really turn up that sexual power by being willing to feel their own turn on and their own aliveness and their own sexual energy just really as vitality moving through their body that they don't have to cut it off. But then 
to still have the care and respect, you know, that there's another human being in front of them, another woman, and that she gets to be at choice, you know, and so he can really have his own experience and his own feelings without necessarily saying, oh, well, now she needs to kiss me or now she needs to to do something. Um, That's when it gets creepy. Mm -hmm. How about uh, any tips on dating around the holidays? Uh, two, Two different. Part one is, okay, you're not dating somebody, meeting people around the holidays. And number two is you're dating somebody and you might bring them over for Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or New Year's or whatever, and they might get to meet your family or something. So part one is how do you date around the holidays? And part two is if you're in a relationship, how do you kind of break the new person in so that's good for everybody? I think the first one, I mean, it's great in a way. People are really getting together more and having more holiday parties and there's more social activity during the holidays than ever. So I think that's a really good thing for people who are single and dating. Um, And as far as meeting the family, was that the question? Yeah. What to do or any tips you said on that? Yeah. Um, Any tips on that? Well, the thing that just actually came to mind was was when you meet them to actually get curious about them too, you know, and go in kind of seeing who are these people and what makes them tick and what do they love and starting to try to get to know them in that way instead of going in trying to get something from the family. Okay. Um, Let's make this a little lightning round here. Sex on the first date. What do you think? Sure. I say if you... Have the conversations you need to have to know whether you're both on the same page, then I think it can be a beautiful thing, right? If you're not having that conversation and you're thinking, well, if I have sex with him, then we have to be in, you know, he's going to commit to me. Or if there's some kind of subtle manipulation there, then I would say no. But if it's really honest and open and you're both happy about it, then I say go for it. How about uh, best way to break up? With a conscious conversation and talking about and really being honest about what happens. Okay. Give me three tips to a great relationship and I'll give you one to get you started. And this is if you're in a committed relationship. I got to tell you, you know, a key to having a successful marriage, eat meals together. I know it sounds like a very small thing. It makes a difference. But I want to turn it over to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great relationship. I would say, you know, I'm going back to being honest and really talk about things when they happen because nobody's perfect and nothing, no relationship is perfect. And so if something isn't going as planned or isn't going well to really talk about it and be willing. Um, and then the third one I would say is to really just remember that you don't know your partner as much as you think you do. And to keep being mm-hmm. curious throughout your life and really let each other grow and become new people and keep discovering each other every day. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, Shana, tell everybody out there where they can learn more about you, where they can find you online, social media-wise, et cetera, and, uh, and also your number one tip for relationship success. Mm. Okay, so you can find me, for men, you can go to readytodateagain.com, and it's the number two, readytodateagain.com, and for women, authenticwomanexperience.com, and it's woman with an A, and I'm on Facebook and, you know, some social media too, but that's the best way, and number one relationship tip, you said, for relationship success? Yep, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick with the honesty piece. You know, I think there's an art to being honest. It's not just about dumping it in someone's lap, but I think that the more um, the more lovingly and connectedly honest we can be, the more intimacy actually happens, the more passion happens. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of couples and a lot of, single people think that they're they're supposed to know what to do and do it on their own. And I would say, you know, if you get to some place where 
you're struggling, you know, reach out for help. I mean, that's what I do, and there are other people. And most of us are not taught how to do any of this emotionally, sexually, right. you know, intimacy. So it, it's it's not it doesn't mean that you're a failure or that there's something wrong with you if you do need help. Okay, last question. You do you live in San Francisco? I, I live in Oakland, right near San Francisco. Oh, okay. San Francisco. okay. What is your take on the dating scene there versus other other cities, whether it be L.A., New York, Chicago, or whatever? I always see see San Francisco. Haven't been there many times. It's you know it's a it's a it's a it's a major league city, but it's not a large city. It, you know it's it's really with all the hills and everything. It looks it seems bigger than it is. It's not that big. But then you have Oakland and you have you know you have uh, everything else across the bridge, and it, the, you know the area is huge, of course. But San Francisco itself is is pretty intimate place. And uh, the people I knew there from business and having traveled there a lot, it didn't seem like the easiest place to date What for a woman. What is your sense? You know, it's hard for me to answer that one because I think that everybody's different and everybody has a different a different experience. So... I know that there are these ways that people say, you know, San Francisco is like this and New York is like this, but mm-hmm. um, in my experience, that it's it's really based on what people are um, what people are calling into their lives. You know, if people are willing to go a little bit deeper, um, then I'm seeing people find relationships that are actually much more fulfilling wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Well, listen, it's been, Shana, a pleasure to talk with you this evening. Thank you so much on behalf of the viewers. And, uh, Mm. you know, it's been great. Maybe we can do it again. And uh, I wish you a wonderful holiday season. And I really uh, am uh, very appreciative for you coming on the show. So thanks so much. Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Take care. Folks, that is our show for this evening, and that is uh, this is going to be our last show of 2015. I want to thank all of our listeners and all my guests. I think we're up to around 170 podcasts now, and of course, all of the Guys Guys Radio podcasts. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio, and all of them are warehoused, if you will, archived on iTunes. So anytime you want to listen to one of our podcasts, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of different guests to choose from. Just go to iTunes, Guys Guys Radio. You can hook me up on Facebook, Robert Manny Author. Twitter, at Robert Manny. YouTube, Robert Manny Author. And a lot of videos on there. And also my website and my blog comes out every, usually Wednesday or Thursday of every week on robertmanny.com. And the whole thing, this whole Guys Guys movement, if you will, started with my novel, Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, which is uh, probably easiest to find now on Amazon or any of the e-tailers. You can get the e-book or the physical book, and we've gotten wonderful reviews and a lot of great support and response for it. It's like a male sex in the city, and it's a great, it's a great uh, if you want to give a good present to a woman who wants to peek underneath the tent in terms of what's going on in the world of guys, the Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, the novel is... Uh, is something special. So thanks so much for a wonderful 2015. We're off next week, and then we're going to be back on January 3rd, I believe, with Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, who's got two new CDs with uh, heart-opening meditations. And I've tried them, and they're fantastic. He's been our guest before, and he's a he's a great uh, spiritualist, if you will. So anyhow, uh, all the best to everybody. Happy holidays, and remember... Guys, guys, finish first.